Well, I want to say welcome to New City, those of you who are visiting, uh, visiting with us. We are really glad to have you here with us. And uh, if you did not do so when you came in, we would love to have you stop by our um, Connect table, I think it is, um, in the lobby, um, meet one of our Connect team members. And uh, if you would, we would love to learn a little bit more about you and um, thank you for being with us. Um, and we would also like to send you home with a small gift, just our way of saying thank you for being here. Even if you're not coming back to New City, if you were just visiting because it's a Sunday afternoon and you could do that, um, you are welcome here. We're glad that you're here. Don't, don't leave without taking one of those gifts with you. So stop by our Connect table on your way out. Uh, if you got one of these bulletins when you came in, there are several announcements in here. Um, thanks to everyone who gave last Sunday for our fifth Sunday giving. That was great. Thanks to everybody who um, made chili and smoked meat and came and served last night at the chili cook-off. That was absolutely amazing. Um, tons of fun. Uh, everything else I think is in here that you need to know, so make sure you take a look at that. Um, there's also an electronic bulletin on our website. You can check that out as well. Um, one huge announcement um, that I want to make sure that you guys hear. Next Sunday uh, is, Lord willing, our last Sunday here. Yes. So let me, let me tell you how that's going to go. So next Sunday, we will be here, everything normal. On the 19th, on the 19th, we will not have a night service here. On the 19th, we are going to be uh, doing some things at our building and um, checking out our systems, our sound system, children's check-in, all of that stuff. Nothing here on the 19th. On the 26th, we will be in our building and should have our certificate of occupancy then and be able to have services. So 19th, nothing here. 26th, the plan is to be in our building at 10 a.m. So pay attention to social media. We'll let you guys know all the details in the coming days, but I wanted to make sure that you hear that. The 19th, if you come, the doors will be locked and we will not be here. Got it? Not here the 19th. Okay. Um, all right. Good enough. So last week we wrapped up our Everyday Jesus series. And I said when I was wrapping it up, it was sort of a wrap-up. And the reason that I said sort of a wrap-up is because for the next three weeks, as we are preparing to go into our building, we, we've got sort of a short series um, to get us into the building. And it connects very well with the series that we just finished. Um, we don't have a lot of time, so let's jump in. We're going to be in Acts the book of Acts, chapter 19, if you want to open your Bible and follow along there, we should have the Scriptures uh, on the screen as well, but Acts chapter 19. Um, here's where I want to start. Our city is a mess. Our city is a mess. Um, thank you and amen. I love our city, so when I say that our city is a mess, I want to make sure that you also hear that. I love our city um, incredibly. And when I say our city, uh, really I'm talking about all of middle Georgia. Um, I, 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 love, I love middle Georgia, 
But the truth is, if you, if you watch the local news, you, you can't miss it. It seems like almost every day now, um, if you turn on the news, I watch it every morning, you turn on the news in the morning, and, and it seems like almost every day someone was shot or, or, or murdered, um, a, a business was vandalized or, 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 or broken into, someone was, was robbed. Um, people who know, if you ask and talk to the people who know, they will tell you that um, gang membership and, and, and gang presence in middle Georgia is probably at an all-time high. Like, it has grown incredibly over the past decade. Um, maybe you didn't know this. Maybe you did. Um, middle Georgia has developed somewhat of a reputation as a place central to sex trafficking, right? Not something that we want to be known for. Our public schools in middle Georgia are among the worst in the nation. Now, please don't hear that as a knock on, on teachers. It is not that at all. I am only, I am only sharing statistical facts, and, and I am saying that our school system in middle Georgia is a mess. Poverty in our, in our city is rampant. Several years ago, we were the fourth most impoverished city for a city the size of Macon, not in Georgia, but in the United States. That is terrible. Division, I, I have said this so many times um, preaching to you guys, division, I, I don't, I've been in several places and cities, we are about as divided as any that I have ever been in. We are divided by race, we are divided by socioeconomics, we are divided by where we go to school, where we live, what football team we, we support. I mean, if there is a way to be divided in, in middle Georgia, we, we, we own it. We are an incredibly divided city. Drive around on a Sunday morning. You guys have had opportunity to do that for the last 17 years. It feels like 17 years that we've been here. But you've had opportunity to drive around on a Sunday morning, and if you pay attention, the traffic is light. And if you look at, at most of the churches that you pass by in middle Georgia, parking lots that used to be filled with cars are empty. There are more churches in middle Georgia that are plateaued or declining than there has ever been in, in the history of our country. There are so many churches. I hear other people say it this way. So I didn't come up with this. I'm just, I'm just repeating. In fact, one pastor told me this of his church. We are five deaths away from closing the door. Five deaths away from closing the door. What, 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 he, what he was saying is our church isn't reaching anyone new, and our church members are old and dying. We live in, in, a, in a culture here in middle Georgia that is becoming more and more a secular culture. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. A guy named Jim Herrick, who is a, is a humanist, this is his definition. Secularism in the largest sense means that people do not refer. Now, I want you to listen to this, and I want you to think about it for just a second. Secularism in the largest sense means that people do not refer to religion to make decisions. 
So what he's saying is when people have decisions to make, they don't lean on religion at all in making their decisions, adopting policies, running their lives, ordering relationships, or or to impel their activities. We, We look everywhere but to God. Now, this isn't, this isn't anything new, right? It, it is essentially replacing God with us. Like, we become our own gods rather than looking to God in how we make our decisions and the things that we do in our life. We look to culture. We look to popular opinion. We look to our feelings. We look to ourselves. We are the gods who decide what is right and what is wrong, what should be done and what should not be done. We don't look to the Word of God. We look to ourselves. We are our own gods. We define good and evil. We make our decisions based on what we deem best rather than what God says is best or is right, even in the church. Our church is more and more becoming secularized. In addition to this, right, in 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 our middle Georgia area, including our churches, we often pursue other gods, the gods of power, the gods of place and comfort and security, the God of popularity. We even make our children our gods, our entire life revolving around them and making them happy and fulfilling all of their dreams. These are the norms of our city. This is what is normal in middle Georgia. And compared to God's design, we are an absolute mess. Like I said, this is nothing new. In Acts chapter 19, we get a glimpse of another broken city, and the city is Ephesus. The city is Ephesus. Acts chapter 19. Ephesus was a mess as well. Ephesus, just a little bit of info on Ephesus, it was a major city for Rome, but before it was a major city for the Romans, it was a major Greek city. It was a city with a diversity, a huge diversity, and part of the reason for that is because it was a major port city, and it was a very important spot on on the trade routes for that area of the world. So people from all over the world came to Ephesus, gathered in Ephesus, called Ephesus their home. They brought with them all of the world's religions. Magic and, and witchcraft were common, common practice. They worshipped many gods in Ephesus. With those many gods, there were many temples. One of the temples in Ephesus that Ephesus was, in fact, known for was the temple of Artemis. Artemis was a Greek goddess and now a Roman goddess. Ephesus was the home um, of Artemis. Uh, the temple for Artemis was located, the primary temple was located in Ephesus. It was a huge, ornate temple It was one of the seven wonders of the world, this temple for Artemis. People from all over the world came to worship there, came to offer their sacrifices in Ephesus. So Ephesus was was an absolute mess. I mean, we could talk a long time about it, but there were, there, were, there, were, there were false gods, there was magic, there was witchcraft, there was incredible immorality. 
And Ephesus was the place where in Acts chapter 19, we find the apostle Paul ministering, and he is there for more than two years. Verse 11 says that God, while, while Paul was there and ministering to the church and, and sharing the gospel, verse 11 says that God was doing extraordinary miracles while Paul was there. The sick and the disease were healed and demons were being cast out. Verse, verse 13, verse 13 says, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit, who had the evil, was the evil spirit, leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon all of them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Skip down to verse 23. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. That is the word for, that's what they called Christianity, for believers. No little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. There is danger not only, not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing and that she may even be deposed of her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were so enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. So let me stop right there. I probably should have stopped a little bit earlier so I didn't have to pronounce that. Let me stop right there. A lot in these verses, and, and we could spend a lot of time here. Here's what I want you to see in that, and I'll talk you through it. A city was transformed. The city of Ephesus was, was turned upside down. Right? They had a book burning. We just read about that. Reminds me of the 80s or 90s. There was a book burning, a riot. Officials from the city had to intervene to calm things down in the city because this riot was spreading throughout the city. 
Something incredible was taking place in Ephesus. And the first thing that I want us to see in that is that people were changing. The people of Ephesus were, were a changed people. When, when the, the people of Ephesus heard of the sons of Sceva, the, the Jewish high priest, that they were beaten and stripped naked by a demon, we read that fear fell on all the people. And then we hear that the name of Jesus was being extolled. That means the name of Jesus was being lifted up. The name of Jesus was being connected with the power of the Apostle Paul and the disciples, the believers in all the work that they were doing. The gospel was being proclaimed. The power of the Spirit was being seen in Paul and the other followers, and people were becoming believers in Jesus. Now, as these people became believers, they, they, they came together, they began confessing their sins, they began divulging their magic, right, telling about the secrets of their magic, confessing their idolatry and their worship of other gods and even, even demons, right? They are confessing their witchcraft, and they begin burning their books and, and their scrolls of spells and, and magic. The value of what they burned, it says, was around 50,000 pieces of silver. That's roughly $4 million. $4 million in value is what they burned up. This is absolutely amazing. This was, this was just regular, regular people, like, like, like people our next door neighbor, people like us. And they were, they were being changed. Everything in their lives was, was changing. They were, they were giving up their livelihood. Because their life was changing, they were giving up their friends. Some of them would be forced to give up their families. Every part of their life was being impacted by their decision to, to love and follow Jesus. How they paid their bills, how they supported themselves, all of it, everything was changing. Instead of practicing magic and, and going to the temple of these false gods, these demons, they were gathering together with Paul and the other disciples and, and, and all of the believers in Ephesus, and they were listening and they were learning and they were growing and they were sharing. And they were taking their kids with them and they were finding new jobs. Everything in their life was changing. Now, that to me is absolutely amazing. Like the gospel, the gospel really does change everything. And what we, what we have in these verses is just a small glimpse of how the gospel was changing people in Ephesus. And, and, and as amazing as that is there, there is, there is more. Not only were individuals and families being changed, but the entire culture of Ephesus was changing. The entire culture of a major city was changing. Is that not incredible? As, as Paul and the church in Ephesus were pro proclaiming the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, as they were pointing the people of Ephesus to the one true God, the number of believers was increasing. The church was growing. 
And, and we read in these verses, there was a man named Demetrius who was a, a silversmith, and he saw what was happening in Ephesus. And Demetrius could see not only what was happening, but what was going to happen if, if this way continued to grow and people conti continued to believe the gospel that Paul was proclaiming. Demetrius knew that people would stop worshiping Artemis. Demetrius knew that people would stop buying the idols that he and his friends made. Demetrius knew that he would lose his way of making a living. He gathered all the people who, who made these idols, idols that they sold to tourists, idols that they sold to the locals for the worship, their worship. And, and Demetrius said, it, 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 this is not just happening in Ephesus. He said, listen, guys, you know, you've seen it, you've heard it. It's not just happening here in Ephesus, but it's happening all over Asia, and we need to stop it. We need to stop it or we're going to lose our incomes. And so they were stirred to this riot. This is incredible. Christians were impacting the economy of their city and the entire culture of Ephesus was shifting. Y'all don't seem excited about that at all. Like, I, I read this, and it is, it, is, it is absolutely incredible to me. Like, everything in Ephesus was changing. They were, they were shifting away from their godlessness. They were shifting away from magic and witchcraft and idolatry, and they were shifting to Jesus. And listen to me, all right? Listen to me. The economy, it was being dramatically impacted, and Demetrius saw it, and it wasn't because Paul said, hey, listen, we need to protest this. We need to picket that. That's not what happened. They just began to love and follow Jesus, and when you love and follow Jesus, you don't support certain things like, like, like idols. There wasn't, a, there wasn't a formal protest or a picket. There was people who loved Jesus, and it was changing everything. I, I love this story. I love that we can see a major city being dramatically impacted in the way that this one was. I love this because it's a true story. See, that's why I'm, I'm excited up here. This is a true story. Like this, this happened. These were real people, and, and this thing really happened, and an entire city, a large city, was being changed. Everything about it was being changed. Individuals were being changed. Families were being changed. Morality was being changed. Religion was being changed. Worship, the economy, everything, you name it, and it was changing in Ephesus. And the reason there was a riot is because Ephesus was a city that was being turned completely upside down. And that is incredible to me. So, so then the question shifts. Here's the question for us. The question shifts to this, what turned Ephesus upside down? 
What was it that turned this city upside down? Look at verse 8 with me. It says, and, and he entered the synagogue, talking about Paul, and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Verse 9, but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Now, what we're reading here is that Paul went first to the Jews in the city, and he reasoned with them. He argued for who Jesus was and what he had done. He argued that for months, and when they wouldn't come around, he left, and he he went to the Gentiles, and he went where the Gentiles were gathering, and he began to do the same thing. This continued, verse 10, this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Verse 11 says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul. And verse 17 says, and this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Two years, two years, Paul and the other disciples gathered with Jews and Gentiles in public places, in homes, anywhere they could gather people together. They gathered them together, and they shared the good news of Jesus. That's what they did. For anyone who would listen, they shared the good news of Jesus. When it says that Paul reasoned, he reasoned with them as he did in Athens for, for, for the Gentiles, as he did in every city when he talked with the Jews. He was reasoning with them about who God was and what he had done in the person and work of Jesus. He reasoned with them. He reasoned with them. He, he, he shared with them that there is one true God, and that God sent Jesus, his son, to redeem fallen men from their sins and to restore them to a right relationship with him. He reasoned with them that this one true God pursued humanity through the life, death, and resurrection of his son. He shared with them the good news that they are loved by God and they are loved in Christ. He tried to persuade them to believe that there is forgiveness for sin, not in, in our works, but forgiveness, forgiveness of our sins in Christ. He told them that we are made children of the Most High God, not through our good works and religious sacrifices, but through faith, faith in the good work of Jesus and his sacrifice. They proclaimed the gospel. And what was transforming this city was the gospel. It was the gospel that was changing the people of Ephesus. It was the gospel believed that was changing the culture, the entire culture of a city. It was Jesus turning the city upside down. Man, that excites me. So, so a couple of things quickly. We're running out of time. A couple of things that I, I, I want us to take away from this. Jesus, through the church, turned a city upside down. 
Jesus, through the church, turned a city upside down, and he can do that again. Thank you for some amens. He did it once. In fact, if we look back at church history, he has done it far more than once. History is filled with him doing this again and again and again. And every time he does it, it is through the gospel. He did it once. And he can do it again. Now listen to me, what that means to me is not that he can do it somewhere out there or somewhere over there. What this means to me is that he can do this right here in Macon. Come on. He can do this right here in middle Georgia. Family, we need to believe this. We need to believe this. We need this confident expectation that we see here. We, we, we need this to give us a confident expectation in the power of the Spirit working through the gospel, not just in Ephesus, but, but here and now in middle Georgia today. This should encourage us. No, no matter, listen to me, things are going to get ugly soon. No matter who is elected, they are not the answer. They are not the answer. And the encouragement is, it doesn't, it doesn't, this is going to sound terrible, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who is elected. It doesn't matter how far away from God that we find our city. Jesus has done this, and he can do it again. Now, here's the second thing. Jesus has done this, and he can do it again. But if he is going to do it again, I doubt very seriously it will be because of a building. I want to make sure you hear me on that. If he is going to do this again, I doubt very seriously that it will be because of a building. It never has been. See, in a few weeks, Lord willing, we will be in our new building I, I want to tell you, if you haven't seen it, it is absolutely beautiful. The, 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 grounds, the grounds are amazing. The, the building itself is amazing. It is all beautiful, and it is going to be so good to be home. I, I've said this often. I, I am so thankful for the graciousness of Christ Chapel letting us be here, letting us be here during the week, letting us be here on Sunday. For, for all that they have done for us, I am so thankful. But, y'all, this isn't home, and we feel it. It is going to be so good to be home, to have space for all of our people, to have space for all of our kids, to have, to have our space. And when we get there, people will come and they will visit. And, and, and I imagine that, that there will be people there that we've never seen before. Here is the danger in that. The danger is that we think, okay, we've arrived. Finally, our building is ready and we've moved in and it's beautiful and people are coming. We are done. Kick, kick back and rest. Listen, don't do that. I, I, am, I am begging you now, don't do that. 
that that building, as great as it is, will not transform our city. It is the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done that will do that. It is the the Spirit of God working through that good news declared by you, declared by you and by me, by the people of God. That's, That's what will transform a city. And, and if, I, if I tie this back to our last series, I would say it is, it is you and me living as everyday missionaries that God will work through just like he did in Ephesus. That's what will transform a city. It isn't, it isn't a building. It is us that God will use to turn a city upside down. Us in our Every day, us as as we go to school, as we go to work, as we go to the ball field, us as we go to our MC, as we do third place events, us as we we are serving, serving in our partnerships across the city, it's us proclaiming the good news of Jesus that turns a city upside down. It is not a building and it never has been a building. So let's, let's, let's be sure. Let's be sure that we are thankful and celebrate the building that God provides. But let's not settle with that. Let's be a people that God might use to turn this city upside down. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful. We are thankful for your goodness, your goodness to us in, in, in this provision, Christ Chapel, and this place. We, we are thankful for it. We are thankful for uh, the provision of our new building and excited and ready to be there. But in that thanksgiving, Father, I, I, I plead, Holy Spirit, I, I, I beg that you would stir in the hearts of your people, that this would never be about a building. I pray that you would stir in our hearts to be the people that you've called us to be. I, 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 pray, I pray that we would be even, even more excited about, about Jesus than we are a building or a football team. Holy Spirit, Help us to be, to be those people. And we pray together. We pray together that, that, that you might move, Holy Spirit, as you did in Ephesus, and that we might see our city turned upside down by the gospel. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.